Your happily ever after is waiting for you in the Chrysler Pacifica and Pacifica plug-in hybrid. With available all-wheel drive, Pacifica helps handle adverse conditions like magic. And with the plug-in hybrid, it can help your range anxiety disappear. Make your drive even more enchanted in the Chrysler Pacifica. And watch Disney's Disenchanted, now streaming only on Disney Plus, rated PG. Disney Plus subscription required. Must be 18 plus to subscribe. EPA estimated 520 mile total range with a fully charged battery. Actual mileage may vary. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. Brandon is also a co-host, who is not here because there's like 10 inches of snow on the road. Yeah. And Ian lives a lot closer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This podcast is created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our podcast may not be suitable for young children. But neither are our D&D games. Oh, heck no. Before we get started here, we want to take a moment to let you know that this episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. You're awesome. You are awesome. We just got off of a, a nice little hour-long uh, patron pal discussion, which is one of the one of the uh, perks, uh, I think, of the silver level uh, patron donors. So thank you to those who joined us. Uh, um, Joan, Molly, and uh, Joe. So thank you. We had a blast. Um, and Eldritch Blast. Oh, no, you t- I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> oh, that's bad, dude. That's, yeah. bad. that's as bad as my intro jokes. So thank you guys all who support the show. It really means a lot to us. Uh, if you want to support our show, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com and find the link to our Patreon there or head on over to Patreon.com slash CritAcademy. Uh, go ahead and check it out. And if you think it's worth it, go ahead and check us and change our way. Yeah. And get uh, more content. Yeah, the the lowest tier at three dollars gets you access to the live stream, the show notes, and we got a lot of good things on sale, stranger. So thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your rolls don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your rolls like a warlock without Eldritch Blast. Seriously, if you're going to play a warlock, you better get Eldritch Blast. <laughs> uh, that's just I that that blast joke still is still still in my system, bro. <laughs> still in my system. Mission accomplished. Oh jeez, dude. So we got a really great show for you guys today. We have a question from a listener in regards to escaping enemies, and our main topic is going to be our Xanathar's Guide to Everything's class analysis on the Warlock. Good stuff. And then, of course, we have our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, where we deliver new and reusable material for you to bring with you on your next adventure. And we have three prizes to give away. And we like to start our show off by giving away one such prize. Well, we have our first prize from Goblinstone. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblinstone. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Good stuff. Hey, Ian, who's our winner this week? This week's winner is Ryan.Leftly. Ryan.Leftly. 
Congratulations, Ryan Leffley. Um, if you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to goblinstone.com and let them know what you thought. Good stuff. Yeah. So uh, before we move on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have In the Realm, where we talk a little bit about what's going on in our lives. Ian, what's going on in your realm? Well, first off, I've been finding some sort of weird bug for the last few days. Did you win? Because you're like, two feet away from me, and I don't want to be sick. I have not shook your hand for a reason. You never shake my hand anyway. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm glad that you, I hope you're getting better and recovering. Yeah, having a gay full day's rest behind me definitely helped quite a bit. Okay. But I also watched um, on Netflix Altered Carbon, which premiered on Friday, and I, I enjoyed it. If you like cyberpunk, I'd recommend it. Okay. Is that an anime, a movie? No, it's a 10-episode TV show. Apparently it's based off a book, which I have not read, but the general premise of it is like... Um, they can like uh, store like a human memories to a hard drive, which are implanted into your brain, so they can like uh, swap bodies. <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah, that sounds like an adventure hook to me. Yep. Somebody stole my memories. There's a spell for that. So it's going in your realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I played a game with my family uh, this past Saturday. All right. Played Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Nice. I got to be the Minotaur against them, and that was awesome. Uh, it has a really cool ability that allows me to shift and move the tiles freely. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Um, I lost. I got destroyed. That um, happens sometimes. So my wife's not a big D&D fan, but I'm gradually feeding her games and stuff that are similar to work her up to that. Shh, don't tell her. We should get her to play zombie side. We should. That's pretty D&D-esque. Well, the Black Plague version is, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I also played up Gloomhaven, too. So Yeah, I saw your pictures. Yeah, that that took forever to unpack. Yeah, I did the same thing with the tele- the the Temple of Elemental Evil uh, board game. Yeah, which is also another D and D game. Shh, don't tell my wife. <laughs> okay, she's played with me, so so that's really cool. So that's what's going on in our realms. Ian, if they want to visit other realms, where should they go? They should go to Audible, where they can get a free audiobook download and a three day free trial. And you should visit our website and click on the link. Yeah, definitely. Our second segment here today is our Let's Talk About Blank. Yep. We have a question from Jack Gutweiler. If a monster successfully flees a battle and escapes, do you award XP to the players? I had a player last night argue that since the monster fled, he was defeated, and therefore XP should be awarded. What do you think? Actually, um, I can see this one both ways, because I do know that, generally speaking, people tend to give rewards for what you've killed. That said... I have seen some RPGs that have the ability, if you will, to give out XP for overcoming the challenge in some way, shape, or form. Not necessarily killing. Right, right. Like, if you win the battle, you get the the XP. You must you RP your way without even getting to a fight in the first place, you still get the XP. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of agree with that sentiment. Um, I think it all depends on why the a monster fle- was fleeing. So if my players... Especially if, if the DM just want, wants the, the fight to end. Right. <laughs> if... If my players run into a scenario where the big bad is there and he sicks the minions on him and he leaves, no. Hell no. You're not getting nothing. That was part of my plan already. There's nothing that they did to overcome it. Now, if they're fighting the big bad and they're beating him and I've set it up that he's got to le- he's going to leave, 
I'm going to still consider that a successful encounter. If they bribe him to get him to leave, I'm going to consider that a successful encounter. If he just runs away because he's scared, that's a successful encounter. Now, I may or may not award more, more or less depending on how it goes down, but I feel like any sort of accomplishment should always be met with progress. So in other words, it's situational, but you can totally do it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And in most cases, I think that that should be the case. Unless you as the DM plan ahead of time that that's not what you want. So. Alrighty then. So that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Jack Gutweiler, I hope that we answer your question. If we didn't, uh, please let us know, and we'll be happy to uh, uh, expand our response. Dur, dur, dur. Uh, so moving on to our third segment we have our main topic the xanathar's class analysis for the warlock oh yeah no i do know that the warlock's not necessarily your most favorite specializing class but that doesn't mean they'll bring something to the table (laughs) oh i agree 100 percent the reason i don't like them actually doesn't have anything to do with like their spell casting features or how their class mechanically works right um honestly i just i don't want my my character don't only have two spells. No, it's not. It's not even a mechanic thing. Uh, that's the. That's that's not even really it. Um, it in in most cases up until recently, it always boiled down to the warlock being an eldritch blast master, and that's their th- that's their shtick, um, which, which they are good at, and they're very good at it. But that was not enough for me. That's fair. I didn't have a problem only having two spell slots and those recover because I can do a lot. Um, I just kept running into where I felt like I was always coming back to Eldritch Blast. And it just wasn't... It just never seemed to work for me. Though, my... my, my it did change for me a little bit because I do like the Hexblade a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Hexblade is more in line with... Uh, gives me more variety, and I really like that. But that's just a personal me thing, not that there's anything wrong with the class. And I do think the uh, Hexblade definitely made the uh, Pact of the Blade more viable, too. Yes, I agree 100%, because I tried that before. It didn't work. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the so, only way I could make it work before was the multi-class and the fighter. Right, right. Um, so, so the warlock. Warlocks are finders and keepers of secrets. They push at the edge of our understanding of the world, always seeking to expand their expertise. Where sages or wizards might heed a clear sign of danger and end their research, a warlock plunges ahead, heedless of the cost. Thus... What's, what's this button do? <laughs> thus... It takes a particular mixture of intelligence, curiosity, and recklessness to produce a warlock. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, if you don't know, warlocks get to pick patrons, people who they they gain their power from, somebody they've made an agreement with to acquire that power. And in the base book, you definitely have, like, uh, fiends, a.k.a. demons, the old ones, a.k.a. Cthulhu, or fey creatures of some kind. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's no different with the new one. In the new nope. one, you get access to the Celestial Patron. That's the first archetype we get. Your patron is a powerful being of the upper planes. You have bound yourself to an ancient Empreon, Solar, Chiron, Unicorn, or any other entity that resides in the plane of everlasting bliss. Your pact with that being allows you to experience the barest touch of the holy light that, that illuminates the multiverse. Being connected to, to such power can cause changes in your behavior and beliefs. You might find yourself driven to annihilate the undead, defeat fiends, and to protect the innocent. Yeah, so that's really cool. That's kind of like the old school, uh, like paladin push, where you know yep. you might have to destroy all undead type stuff. 
As long as you're not playing it, it's lawful stupid. Go for it. <laughs> so the very first thing we want to talk about, and this is in a little bit different format than we normally do it. Yeah. I changed it um, a little bit, but we're going to discuss the, the expanded spell list. When you get acquire first level spells, you get access now to Cure Wounds and Guiding Bolt. Both excellent choices, I may add. Yeah. I love Cure Wounds because it gives you some versatility as a warlock to, to uh, A, heal yourself. Honestly, if I'm a warlock, I'm probably just going to heal myself. <laughs> be, be gone from everyone else. Whereas Guiding Bolt does a decent amount of damage, and if I recall correctly, it gives your enemies disadvantage, or is it your allies' advantage? It does pretty good damage and uh, also grants advantage to, uh, the, next uh, to the next attacker, which is awesome. Yes. Now, if you remember, as a, as a warlock, you cast all your spells at the highest level that's available to you, which is really cool. Yep. So there's no, like, low-level casting. It's just like, it's all or nothing, baby. <laughs> it's, it's all a little five and up from here. <laughs> um at uh, once you gain access to second level, uh, your spells go to second level. Uh, you get access to flame sphere and lesser restoration. Uh, I'm starting to sense a theme here with like the healing abilities. Did you notice that? Well, it makes sense if you're playing a celestial being because that does make you a little bit more clericky. Yeah. So I would almost uh, I I would kind of envision my character having like a like a like a super saiyan glow all the time. That would mm-hmm. be cool. Um, anyways, flame sphere is pretty cool. It allows you to create this giant ball of fire that kind of just roams around the the battlefield under your control, which is pretty awesome. It's not a fireball, but still pretty fun. Hey, oh, I'm sorry, it's a ball of fire. Yeah. Um, but can move and constantly uh, har- harass people, which is awesome. And then obviously, less restoration allows you to. Uh, you touch a creature and either end one disease or a condition. Yeah. So, um, so less restoration isn't you know another form of heal allows you to get rid of uh, diseases and whatnot, which is pretty cool. Um, once you gain access to third level uh, spells, you can cast Daylight and Revivify. Um, Daylight is pretty cool. You basically create a little sun, right? Yep. And makes it really bright, which is pretty cool. But Revivify. Bring him back to life. They've only been dead for less than a minute. Yeah, that's, that's your baby. That's your first revive spell, right? That's the first one that can bring people back to that, isn't it? Yep. So that's fantastic. Um, at fourth level, you get access to Guardian of Faith and Wall of Fire. Don't not not need to say about Wall of Fire. Um, the name cast speaks for itself. Yeah. What about Guardian of Faith? What do you know about that? Guardian of Faith, a large spectral guardian, appears and hovers for the duration in an unoccupied space of your choice. Eight hours, by the way. Basically, this is the spell that you use when you want to take a large rest in a hostile environment. And it- and he vanishes when he deals 60 damage. Only. Right. So basically, you can cast this bad boy and kind of hide, hide, and he'll protect you from, like, little weakling beasties from wandering in and getting the jump on you. And then at a fifth level, you gain access to Greater Restoration, which heals even more diseases and additional effects. And then you have Flame Strike, which is another AoE attack, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And with, with Greater Restoration, you can reduce exhaustion. Oh, that's pretty powerful. Oh, yeah. You know, by, I, I by, really like to use exhaustion. By, so. by one step, mind you, but still. <laughs> That's more than every once a day, which is pretty fantastic. And you can also end more effects than what you could before with uh, less restoration. Right, right. Including Charmed and Petrified. Ooh, Petrified. That's a curse. Awesome. Ability score reductions. Right. So it has a lot of really good uses. So yeah. that seems to be the that's the kind of the shtick of the Celestials. You start to get access to a lot of abilities to, to protect and restore, you know, the conditions of your allies, which is pretty cool. Indeed. Um, so now on to the, the goody stuff now that we've discussed the expanded spell list. 
Um, the very first thing you get access to is your bonus cantrips. It gives you access to, you learn the light and sacred flame cantrips, but they count as uh, warlock uh, cantrips for you. Which and is, yep. don't count against the number that you know, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. And let, let's nice because A, not all races have dark vision, and B, and reduces the need to grab the uh, devil sight invocation. Right, right. Yeah. Which is, uh, mind you, dark vision out to 150 feet, which is still. 120 feet, which is still pretty nice. Yeah, that's but, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually really like the uh, the light cantrip. Yeah. Because you can, like, put it on pebbles and throw it down. I've done that. Uh, down, like, tunnels and stuff like that. And I jump it on the hole. Oh, how's the light anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty deep. Or, or just, you know, throwing it down and trying to attract t- attention, too, right? Because, you know, enemies might, aren't going to know the difference between a rock cast light on and somebody with a torch. Yeah, I remember one time we, we found the Jelanus Q trying to sneak up on us by throwing a uh, light pebble. <laughs> did it get, what, did it get stuck in the stuck in the gelatinous cube? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, we are like, crap. <laughs> additionally, at level one, you gain the healing light feature, which is at first level, you gain the ability to channel celestial energy to heal wounds. You have a pool of D6s that you can spend to fuel this healing. The number of D6 uh, in the pool equals one plus your warlock level. As an action, you can heal one creature you can see within 60 feet of you, spending dice from that pool. The maximum number of dice that you can spend uh, at once is equal to your uh, charisma mod, minimum of one. Roll the die you spend and add them together and restore the number of hit points equal to the total. You regain those dice expended when you finish a long rest. So It's very similar to the uh, Druid Shepherd archetype. Yes, yes, very similar. Um, once again, I, I want to point out that this doesn't actually require any spell slots. And it's the bonus action. Oh, that's sexy. And it's range. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, I would have to have... Healing more than crack. Yeah, I would, dude, I would be like, you have like laser healing eyes. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I just look at people and like golden beams of awesome come out or like golden headlights. <laughs> My eyes turn into golden headlights that shine upon my ally as he's he's uh, rejuvenated and his, gets his healing healing wound on. So that that's a really cool resource. A warlock healer, though, man, that still just that just that blows me away. So that 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 does it for healing light. At level six, you gain the radiant soul ability, where your link with your celestial allows you to serve as a conduit for radiant energy. You have resistance to radiant damage. And when you cast a spell that deals radiant or fire damage, you can add your charisma modifier to one radiant or fire damage roll that spell against one of its targets. So this is this is pretty subtle but uh, important. Um, we got the cantrip access to the trans- cantrip sacred flame. Yep. So now we get to add our uh, charisma modifier to it, which makes that a much more deadly spell now. And don't forget resistance to radiant damage. Resistance mm-hmm. is always nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I feel like I don't fight a lot of radiant things, though. That because they don't play evil characters, probably. Oh, that! Oh, dude, that's a good point. Run a uh, evil campaign against angels. <gasps> That'd be cool. That actually would be kind of awesome. That would be baller, wouldn't it? I want to do that now. We got to do that. We got to make it happen, Captain. Um, how do you think? How do you envision that kind of that radiant, uh, that resistance to damage working? You know, I kind of go back to having like the the glowing energy. Super Saiyan. Uh, so kind of go back to the Super Saiyan thing where yep. you're 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 kind of radiating this 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 light. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how I envision that work. And how about you? Yeah, I more or less about the same train of thought. Okay. 
Um, at, the next feature you get access to is the Celestial Resilience. Starting at 10th level, you gain temporary hit points whenever you finish a short or long rest. That's Ooh. sweet. Uh, these temporary hit points equal your Warlock level plus your Charisma modifier. Holy shit. Uh, additionally... Yeah, it's probably 15 at this point. Addition, oh, we're not done. Additionally... Choose up to five creatures that you can see at the end of your rest. Those creatures each gain temporary hit points to half your warlock level plus your charisma modifier. Nice. That is awesome. And if you're a war- war- warlock, you better be taking short rest. Oh, for sure. That is that is that is just the coolest thing because now, um, because warlocks they get the spells back with a short rest, not a long rest. Short. Right. The downside though is they have way less spells to cast. Yeah, but still, this is this is really cool because it's a it's a AOE. Uh, miti- it's a damage mitigator. Yep. I mean, you no longer are you trying to outheal the enemy, but you're 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 mitigating the damage before it's even a problem. Yep. <laughs> so I think I think that's really cool. Um, how do you how do you envision that that working? Like, are you do you think you're like creating like a uh, a glowing energy that then surrounds them? Like, do they do they get some sort of visual effect from it? They sparkle. They look fabulous. And jazz jazz hands? Is it jazz hands or spirit fingers? Just hey. <laughs> um, I think Brendan approves. <laughs> oh, you know what I think would be really cool? Um, if when they got this buff, they got like some sort of like uh, effect that's from your patron. So, for instance, let's say your patron, uh, your celestial patron's an angel, and while they're under the effects of the celestial resilience, they have little like um, see-through like angel wings. Or just like a feathers floating around them. Oh, feathers floating around them. Or if it's like a, a, a unicorn, they each grow their own horn. Oh, that's so cool. Once again, it's just like a phantasmal version that's not really doesn't oh, yeah. have an effect, but just kind of showing the effect that you're under, which is pretty sweet. So you could probably flavor that however you want. And last but not least, at level 14, we gain Searing Vengeance. I like the name already. Starting at 14th level, the radiant energy you channel allows you to resist death. When you have to make a death saving throw at the start of your turn, you can instead spring back to your feet with a burst of radiant energy. You regain hit points equal to half your hit point maximum, and then you stand up if you choose. Each creature of your choice that is within 30 feet of you takes radiant damage equal to 2d8 plus your charisma modifier, and is blinded until the end of your turn. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. Okay, so first let's just talk about how this can prevent you from dying. First off, it prevents you from dying. (laughs) I mean, that's that's not not go over that. No. Um... So, uh, I recently was playing a game, and this kind of kind of reminded me of it. Like, uh, so it says you 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 uh, when you have to make a, a death saving, which means you've already been hit, right? Right. You spring back to your feet. In Legend of Dragoon, these little like little light kind of appears over you, and like a little angel kind of. I think it was Legend of Dragoon. A little angel comes down. Like I can just see as your character falls to the ground, an angel descends over top of you, sprinkles a little magic pixie dust, mm-hmm. and then you just do like one of those uh, reverse pop, stand right up on end. You know what? You know what yep. I'm talking about? Where you can just and come right back up. Uh, Brandon says it makes me think of Fable when you die and you continue. Your character does a blast of energy that blows uh, enemies back. Makes sense. Yeah. That that would be in line with that. Mm. Um, and then it also says you regain uh, hit points that are equal to half your hit point maximum. Yeah. Like what the hell? Just just all just boom. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> uh, so and you deal damage to enemies. And, and you bl- blind them. <laughs> so I mean, that's a pretty geez. good level fourteen ability. I mean that uh, that's a that's a that there's a lot of stuff that comes with searing vengeance. It almost encourages you to die. <laughs> 
you can only do that uh, once per long rest, but I'd be like, yeah, take me out. See what happens. Hit me. I dare you. <laughs> it would be an intimidation tag. Oh, you're going to, I'm already got my ass kicked. I'm down at three hit points. I'm, is that all you got? Come on. I can take you uh, one more. We get this, take three levels of barbarian and go zealot. Oh, that's a good combo. I like that. That's evil. You'd be damn near invincible. You'd be freaking hard to a- kill. And you gotta be an orc. Half orc. Ha- what the hell? Uh, you know what I mean. It makes a difference because for some <laughs> strange reason, it. orcs don't have it. <laughs> uh, orcish resilience. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the last episode. So, so yeah, you really can make a near invincible character. So, for those of you people Ooh. who play characters that are dumb and die a lot, three levels in Barbarian, we go Zealot. Half yep. orc. Celestial Warlock. I don't know if that's an actual good combo, but it sure does sound awesome. Probably not, but I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very optimized, but I'm invincible, bitches. <laughs> you gotta kill me three times. <laughs> uh, so that'll do it for the Celestial uh, Warlock. Yep. Um, I think this is... I like to say, once again, like to me, really get involved in the flavor when you pick your celestial your celestial being make sure that you tie its effects of uh tie your effects into it somehow and once again with the angel having like spiritual angel wings or following flo- flowing fa- falling feathers i just laughed about what horn. i just laughed about what the a picture could be here i've seen the uh show on sci-fi happy i have not the uh well the case for happy is basically a, an imaginary friend, but he's basically a blue unicorn pegasus with a pink horn. Oh, that's cool. And his voice by Patton Oswalt. Oh, no way. I'm not joking. That's hilarious. That guy's funny. The, the whole show's hilarious. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. And they just finished the first season up, too, so. <laughs> um. So that does it for the Celestial pa- uh, Warlock. I think this is not a bad archetype at all. Yeah, I definitely. It's better than I originally had thought when I gl- glossed over it before. Then you actually read it. Well, I read it before too, but just you know, it's one of those things that until I start discussing it, I don't really think much of it. Sure, sure. Um, and because it's a warlock, I paid even less attention to it than I did everything else. Um, so the next one we have is the Hexblade. You have made a pact with a mysterious entity from the Shadowfell, a force that manifests in sentient magic weapons carved from the stuff of shadow. The mighty sword Black Razor is the most notable of these weapons, which have been spread across the multiverse over the ages. That shadowy force behind these weapons can offer you power to two warlocks who can form packs with it. That's so awesome. That is, I, I, first of all, I love sentient weapons. The fact that there's a class that basically um, emphasizes that is just awesome. It embodies that. I'm actually half surprised you don't summon the sentient weapon as an abil- class ability. Yeah, that would be cool. But that's none of the actual features, right? Yeah. Yeah, so This kind of reminds me of uh, Have you seen Soul Eater? Yeah, where you've got the the sentient weapons. Yep. Like when maybe when it's not in a sen- when it's not in its weapon form, it's just like a child that runs around, and talks a lot of shit, <laughs> and then <laughs> grab onto its hand and hug it, and it turns into like a giant reaper blade or something. Great. Now I'm thinking about Excalibur. Thank you. That is the most ridiculous weapon in that whole show. Anyways, um, so in more ways than one. <laughs> um, so first thing we want to talk about once again is the expanded uh, spell list. I was like, how Excalibur is so annoying. Most people just shove him back into the stone. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to shut him up. <laughs> um, the sword from Symphony of the Night. Oh, the familiar, right? Is that what you're talking about, Brandon? You ever you played Symphony of the Night? I have. Um, it's I think been a while. I think he's talking about the sword familiar. Maybe, yeah. 
I, I assume. Yeah, he is. That's what he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's where that's a good one too, where the weapon just kind of spins around you the whole time. Though I don't think that one talks a lot of shit. <laughs> or all. does it? Uh, it might. So uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is the Hexblade expanded spells. Uh, at first level, you get access to shield, which is awesome. Plus five uh, to your AC until the start of your next turn as a reaction, and uh, it kind of gives the middle finger to uh, Magic Missile. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And then of course you get Wrathful Smite, and which is just a powerful ability in and of itself. I mean. Yeah, bonus action to basically boost your next melee hit. Yep, which is awesome. So anytime you can, anytime you can boost your damage is always good. Uh, as second, when you get access to second level spells, you get access to blur, which is really awesome. It's a very good defensive ability. It's concentration, uh, but it makes it really hard to hit you. Yeah, I mean, it's not. In my opinion, it's not quite as good as mirror image. No, um, but it definitely is up there as far as keeping your ass alive. And when you don't have a lot of hit points, that's something that's really important. Yeah, more than the wizard, but less than everybody else. Yeah, for sure. It gives enemies a disadvantage when they attack you. Yeah, but so how do you... Obviously, it's supposed to be like you're kind of vibrating or something, like the Flash, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think that you could... I'm trying to think of what type of weapon I could use that could uh, could uh, kind of focus around that, but eh, it's not important. You get access to Blur, which is just an amazing uh, defensive ability. Uh, Branding Smite. I don't know what that does. Do you? It's kind of like Breathless, but only with Fire. Oh, okay. <laughs> Brandon says it's when you when you kill somebody and you brand them with their forehead on their forehead with your sim- holy symbol. <laughs> I will not argue with that. <laughs> Be gone, demon! Like uh, like the Soul Reapers in uh, Bleach, where they hit the the spirits on the head and then they they send them to another dimension or whatever, I another don't world. Think they ever did that past the first season? Oh, you know what? You're right. But still, whatever. It's you still, lied to me. <laughs> It, said, it says it's in the player's handbook. Branding Smite allows you to make invisible targets visible, which is pretty cool, in addition to doing extra damage. And once you gain access to third levels, you gain access to Blink, which is basically a, a short teleport ability, which is pretty cool. Oh, Wrathful, by the way, does 1d6 Psychic, and if they fail their saving throw, they become frightened. Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah. So you can fear them away. Be gone from me, you demon beast. So, so basically, a lot of their, their expanded spells comes from the Paladin. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you get access to elemental weapons, so you can cover for penetrate elemental weaknesses and take advantage of that. And it, and it makes your weapon a magical weapon. Yep, right, right. A plus one, plus two, all that jazz. For penetrating defenses. Um, at fourth level, you gain ac- or ac- when you gain access to fourth level spells, you, you forgot get a- Blink. No, I talked about Blink. It's a quick teleport. That's really all there is to say about it. But, which is nice. Are you sad because you looked it up? Yes. <laughs> okay. Look up Phantasmal Killer for me. Staggering smite. Fine. Um, so uh, at when you gain access to fourth level spells, you gain access to Phantasmal Killer. Ooh, an illusion spell. You tap into the nightmares of a creature you can see within range and create illusionary manifestations of its deepest fears. If they fail a saving throw, they become frightened for the duration, which is a minute. And at the end of each target's turns, before the spell ends, they must succeed on the wisdom saving throw or take 4d10 psychic damage. Nasty. That's pretty cool. It's concentration too, I may add. So. Yeah, and and that can suck because it can be it can break pretty easily uh, when you're a melee combatant. Which is why you want to take Warcaster if you're going to be a hexblade, probably. Right. right. Um, go to page 278 for staggering smite. All right. The next time you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack during the spell's duration. Your weapon pierces both body and mind, and the attack deals an extra 46 psychic damage to the target, and they must succeed on the saving throw, and if they fail, 
it has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks, and can't take reactions to the end of its next turn. Wow, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore, hardcore. Smack. That's pretty cool. Um, and then you gain, at 5th level, you, or once you get access to 5th level spells, you gain access to Banishing Smite. Surprise, guess what that does? Banishes? Banishes targets uh, uh, to another plane of existence, if I'm not mistaken. And Cone of Cold. Yeah, and Cone of Cold is just like a, a Cone of Cold. It's like the... <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, burning hands, only cold and bigger area. <laughs> cone what, of Cold, turns out, is a Cone of Cold. <laughs> it's a very accurate name. Ooh, and Bash Smite does 5d10 force damage. Oh, that's nice. And and they only, But it only bashes enemies that reduces them to 50 hit points or fewer. <laughs> okay. On to the, the main course. Uh, at first level, you the first feature you gain at first level is Hexblade's Curse. Starting at first level, you gain the ability to place a Baleful Curse on someone. As a bonus action, choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you. The target is cursed for one minute. The curse ends early if the target dies, you die, or you're incapacitated. Until the curse ends, you gain the following benefits. You gain a bonus damage rolls uh, against the curse target. The bonus equals your proficiency bonus. That's pretty cool. Yep. Any damage rolls. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That adds up. So the, so the bonus equals your proficiency bonus? Yep. Wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty nice. But wait, there's more. Uh, any attack you make against the curse target is a critical hit on a 19 or a 20. I Expanded will... crit range? I'll take it. That's definitely a plus. Wow, that's almost that's almost worth taking that at as a multi-class for any melee class. And, last but not least... If the cursed target dies, you regain hit points equal to your warlock level plus your charisma modifier, minimum one. And then you regain... You can't use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. So, okay, yeah. so that's... Awesome. That's pretty powerful. There's a lot of stuff you get there. That's one level in. Yep. I would take this on a blade dancer. Sure. I mean, why wouldn't you? Ju- I would do it just for the, the sheer expanded crit range. Indeed. Good stuff. Also, at level one, you gain the Hex Warrior ability, which uh, ba- basically gives you proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. I didn't know they could use shields. Oh, but it gets better. And because of your patron's influence, whenever you finish a long rest, you can touch one weapon that you are proficient with and that lacks the two-handed property. When you you do, you can use your charisma modifiers of strength or dex for the attack and damage rolls. Wow. Which benefits until you finish a long rest. And, and I don't know why you, you wouldn't pick this pack with, this hex, with the hex blade, but if you pick the pack with the blade, you should... This benefit extends to every pack weapon you conjure with that feature, no matter the weapon's type. Wow. That is some sick-ass shit. Yeah. This is definitely an intriguing class the more I, more I read into it. So, not only do you get an increased crit range, you can replace your damage modifier with your charisma, which means you're not giving up your spellcasting abilities. And if you go, go uh, pack the blade, which you should as a hex blade, seriously, uh... With your packed weapon, it's considered um, magical for for the purposes of overcoming damage. Oh, that's awesome. That's sexy. So, does your so am I right in assuming that your when you become a hex warrior, you can pick up a weapon and your patron makes a pact with it or becomes that weapon? How does that How does that work? Um, your patron basically allows you to uh, create a pact a packed weapon, which allows you to enchant it. Okay. 
Okay, but does your so does your patron reside in the weapon? No. Okay. Your patron charges the weapon. Okay. I can see that, I suppose. Super charges. Um, so... <laughs> Brent is like, oh my god, the magic item for the UTT. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so the next feature you gain access to is the Accursed Spectre. Starting at 6th level, you can... You can curse the soul of a person you slay, temporarily binding it to your surface. Oh, that service. That is that is cool. Uh, when you slay a humanoid, you can cause the spirit to rise from the corpse as a specter. The statistics are, of course, in the monster manual. When the specter appears, it gains temporary hit points equal to half your warlock level. Roll initiative for the specter. It has its own turns, and it obeys your verbal commands. And it gains a special bonus to its attack equal to your charisma modifier. The specter remains in your service until the end of your next long rest, at which point it vanishes to the afterlife. Once you bind a specter with this feature, you can't use this feature again until you finish your long rest. If I recall correctly, specters can be quite nasty. Yeah, it has life drain. It's a melee attack, and the target must make a con save if its hit points maximum is reduced uh, by the damage taken. doesn't go away until a long rest, and obviously the creature dies if its hit point max hits zero. That's pretty cool. No coming back to life, bitches. <laughs> That's true, Brendan. What a slap in the face. Not only do you kill the guy, but you're going to make it do what it says. You don't die till I say so. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And once again, I think what would be really cool is if you if you played a little bit with this. Yeah. Like, if, if the specter rises and it's got, like, chains around its neck like a dog or something uh, to show that it's bound to you. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's got, like, a... Uh, uh, like a some sort of leash or something like that, tie, tying it directly to you, or maybe like a astral chain or something, maybe. Or a giant nail through it. A nail? To anchor it. Oh, dude, that's cool. <laughs> Brian is like, kinky. <laughs> um, at 10th level, you gain access... Uh, the next feature you get access to is... Do you, yeah, the next feature you gain access is to Armor of Hexes. At 10th level, your hex grows more powerful. If the target uh, cursed by your Hexblade's curse hits you with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to roll a d6. Uh, on a 4 or higher, the attack instead misses you, regardless of the roll. Sucker. That's awesome. Yep. That is an absolutely amazing feature. That's a 50% chance to just completely negate an attack. Yep. Now, it's only your cursed target, but still. Right. That's, that's awesome, especially in boss battles. Oh, oh! You are you're trying to hit? No, you're not going to hit me today. And last but not least, at level fourteen, we have Master of Hexes. Starting at fourteenth level, you can spread your hexblade's curse from from a slain creature to another creature. And when the creature cursed by your hexblade d- dies, you can apply that curse to a different creature you can see within thirty feet, provided you aren't inca- incapacitated. When you apply a curse in this way, you don't regain hit points from the death of the previously cursed creature. That's awesome. Allows you to spread your curse, which you can only normally do once per rest. Yeah. Rest. So during a, a big combat, you can go from uh, character to character, which is pretty cool. How do you envision that like spreading? Like if you curse a target, like I would, I envision like if I'm cursing a target, like it's being wrapped in either wrapped in chains or maybe you got a bunch of you know spikes that kind of uh, like psychic spikes that kind of uh, or a gl- penetrate or a, it or a glowing glyph that looks like a weapon. A glowing glyph? Yeah. Oh, that looks like your weapon? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then maybe it kind of just spurns away and then reappears on another target? Floats away to somebody else. Oh, that's really cool. Like, uh, uh, kind of something that may, 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 may make it glow like the Avatar. Yeah. Where his, his head turns into the big glowing arrow, something like that. Like, bad guy here. Yep. <laughs> that's cool. 
So that's a really awesome class. I like that. I love the me- I love the big melee thing. I always like playing the melee spell cl- casters. That's why I love the blade singer. Yep. Um, so this is really cool. So I definitely enjoy that. It's definitely viable. Yeah. If it isn't, didn't you just run? This is what you just you're running in something right now, right? Or did? Yeah. That, that that's what you got in our uh, Storm King Thunder game, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so very cool. I'm looking forward to crushing you and under think, a big boulder. I think he's been pulling his weight. Yeah, he's been. You guys have been doing good. Battle aids. Yeah. Um, so that does it for the archetypes. Um, there's some additional new invocations that come with Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which we're going to discuss. And quite frankly, invocations is like half the rock class right there. Yeah, it definitely. If you don't know what an invocation is, it's a special uh, uh, feature that allows you to modify and, and chain, change current features. Uh, the most common ones are like, what is it, the Eldritch Blast one. Uh, the one that adds your charisma modifier. Yeah, what's it called? Agonizing Blast? Yeah, you got Agonized ba- Blast and Repelling Blast. Those are invocations that alter your Eldritch Blast functions. Yeah. So there's a lot of those. Some things turn spells into, like, you know, at-will spells or just give you access to something you didn't have. So, or, or And there are some invocations, too, that are uh, specific to specific packs, like this one for a pack of mm-hmm. blade, for example, that gives you a second melee attack with your pack weapon. Right. And the, actually, the very first one we're going to talk about is very much like that. So one of the new uh, invocations you get is Aspect of the Moon. It does have a prerequisite of Pact of the Tomb. You no longer need sleep and can't be forced to sleep by any means. You gain the benefits of a long rest, and you can spend all eight hours doing light activities, such as reading uh, your Book of Shadows and keeping watch. Yeah. Fuck elves in their trance. Right? <laughs> That's a big F you to tr- elves. <laughs> yeah, you trance. I don't even need to sleep or trance, motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, uh. the next one, alphabetically, Cloak of Flies, which does have a, pr- a prerequisite of being level five. <laughs> As a bonus action, you surround yourself with a magical aura that, that looks like buzzing flies, which extends five feet from, from you in every direction, but not through total cover. It lasts until you're incapacitated or dismiss it. The aura basically grants you advantage on charisma intimidation checks, but disadvantage on all other charisma checks. Any other creature that starts its turn in the aura takes poison damage equal to your charisma mod. And once just and once you use this invocation, you can't use it again until a short or long rest. But I don't see any reason why you just can't keep it going. So there, we had a character concept a while ago. I think it was called Pigpen. Yep. Where it's all about a stinky ass smelly motherfucker. This would be an awesome feature to have. Because it gives you a, a it gives you a mechanical advantage of having flies floating around you, <laughs> and yeah. I just think that's so awesome. Oh my god! Like, do you fart? Uh, no. Uh, all the flies are swarming to your ass. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say you did. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, the next one you get is Eldritch Smite. Uh, it does have a prereq of level 5 and the Pact of the Blade feature. Uh, once per turn, when you hit a creature with your Pact weapon, you can expend a Warlock spell slot to deal an extra 1d8 force damage to the target, plus another 1d8 per spell lo- slot level. And you can knock the target prone if it's huge or smaller. Wow. Boom. That's that's insane. It's um, it's very similar to the Paladin Smite, but mm-hmm. there's a few key differences. Uh, like it knocks the target down? That and, well, that and you must use a warlock spell slot, and it's yes. and only once per turn, until they eradicate that too, because it, it was it used to be just a paladin spell slot, and they eradicated it. Right. So I'm just assuming they're going to eradicate this too. Well, we should assume until it happens. Yeah, I'm just saying. Right. 
<laughs> uh, the next one you get is Ghostly Gaze, which has a prereq of level 7. As an action, you gain the ability to see through solid objects. Enough said. I want it. Um, not for any perverted reasons, but just because I can never find nothing, and it would be convenient if I could just look through everything to find what I'm looking for. Yep. Up to a range of 30 feet. Um, within the range, uh, you have dark vision, if you don't already have it, and this special sight lasts for one minute until your, or until your concentration ends. During the time, you perceive objects as ghostly transparent images. Once you use this invocation, you can't use it again until you finish a short rest or long rest. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, X-ray vision um, definitely can be really cool. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to finding traps and secrets and, uh, like, especially escape routes. Oh, yeah. Um, when you're trapped in a, your group's trapped in a room and they're losing and, and they're getting Ooh. their ass kicked. Hey, look, it's a trap. <laughs> There's always a secret door, right? And next up on that is Gift of the Depths, which has a prereq of level five. You can breathe underwater. That's can- cool. And you gain a swim speed equal to your walk speed. And you can cast water breathing once without expending a spell slot. And you regain the ability to do so when you fetch a long rest. Yeah, so that definitely... See, that's one that definitely has its utilities. But when you do pick it, you're going to be happy that you got it. Right. You know what I mean? And you can cast water breathing on an ally. Eh, welcome. I like. Can you imagine holding that for ransom? Like, uh, well, we got to go on this adventure, but you can't breathe underwater, and the rest of us can. So, five thousand gold, and I will uh, make sure that you don't drown. <laughs> I don't go in. That means you have no healer, dick. That would be an interesting <laughs> character concept. Somebody just holds everything for ransom. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'll. Uh, that heal will be five gold. Like that. Um, That's such a dick character. Ooh, like that one guest star in that one episode of uh, Harmon Quest. I only watch one or two episodes of that. I'll tell you guys how to, how, how to retrieve that artifact. If you pay me 100 gold, okay, 100 gold. You just pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid stuff like that. Now that's funny. Yep. Uh, the next feature is the Gift of the Ever-Living Ones. This is a prereq for the Pact of the Chain. Whenever you regain hit points while your familiar is within 100 feet of you, treat any dice rolled to determine the hit points to regain as having rolled their maximum value. Nice. So basically, all as Ooh. long as your minions near you, you constantly get the max value on those dice. That's pretty awesome. That would actually work pretty good with the uh, Celestial. Oh, yeah, it would, wouldn't it? That's really cool. That's a good combo. And next up on deck is the Graph of Hadar, which has the prereq of the Ultra Plus Cantrip. And why wouldn't you have that cantrip? <laughs> reference reference the bad joke in the intro. The uh, You're about useful to Warlock without Eldritch Blast. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I forgot what it was. Um, so that's cool. Yep. Say. Once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with your Eldritch Blast, you can move that creature in a straight line 10 feet closer to you. Okay, that works backwards. You pull it towards you? Yep. That's weird. So I can see some uses. Well, yeah, well, because <laughs> at, at higher levels, you get multiple blasts, so each blast would drag the target closer. <gasps> Picture of the of a canyon. Or if you're a flying tiefling. Or if you're um, a hexblade, it might be up close anyway. <laughs> that's awesome. That is that is that is a really cool invocation. And you, had, and you have the warcaster feet. Oh man, there's uses. There are. Well, uses. Wait, wait, wait. So, 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 so. Here's a question for you. Yeah. If I have grasp of Hadar yep. and I have repelling blast, can I choose? I I want to see why not. So could you? T- <laughs> you like fucking yo-yo him with? Okay, your- you know how it says you can. Uh. Doesn't say you must. Wow, so you can yo-yo them back and forth then with multiple, like, you go back 10 feet, you come forward 10 feet, just send them back and forth and give them a headache. Just troll with them. (laughs) 
Oh man, or if it's in and out of a, in and out of like a hazard. Right? Yeah. Like some spinning blades. You go out the spinning blades, you come in the spinning blades. You go out the spinning blades, you come in the spinning blades. What if they're trapped in an anti-gravity trap? Oh, just like smashing them in the wall? No, put, pull them into the anti- reverse gravity trap. They hit the ceiling, you push them out of it, they fall down. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> I think this would be really cool with a flying variant. Yeah. Where if yeah. you get a bunch of them, you can float above them and do like a Vegeta barrage blows and just start, it starts bringing them up and then they fall. That's awesome. Wow. I, I, I lied when I said I didn't like Warlock. I really think that that is awesome and I really want to play a Warlock now. <laughs> What's he do? He just shoots people and then lets them fall. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, the next one you get is Improved Packed Weapon. Prereq is the Pact of the Blade. Uh, you can use any weapon you summon with your Pact of the Blade feature as a spellcasting focus for your Warlock spells. That's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, in addition, uh, the weapon gains a plus one bonus to its attack and damage rolls unless it is a magic weapon that already has the bonus to those rolls. Finally, the weapon you conjure can be a short bow, long bow, light bow, or heavy crossbow. Or l- light crossbow. Ha ha. That's new. You couldn't you couldn't use ranged weapons before. Nope. Wow, that's cool. So now they're not. Wow, you got a ranged weapon, uh, a pact of the blade. Ooh, if you is it really pact of the blade anymore? If it's a doesn't have a blade. Well, uh, maybe it has a bayonet. I was gonna say I got put a little bit of blade on the end of it like a bayonet, man. And and oh wait, this and if you make it your spellcasting focus, you're shooting your eldritch blast out of your crossbow with a blade on the end. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and next up, we have Lance of Lethargy, prereg eldritch blast cantrip. Once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with your eldritch blast, you can reduce the creature's speed by ten feet until the end of your next turn. That's cool. Slow them down. Hmm? Combine that with a couple different slowing spells. You can, uh... Well, that doesn't seem... Or if you push them away from you and do this. Uh-huh. Okay. That's pretty cool. I like that it's psychic damage, too. Because, once again, that's one that's not as uh, commonly resisted. I thought Eldritch Plus was Force. No, but this says does psychic damage. What? It says, when you do so, you deal psychic damage to the cursed target. And each creature of your choice you can see within five feet of it. I think you're reading the next one. Maddening Hex. What uh, are you reading? Lance of Lethargy. Oh, okay. That, okay, that definitely explains why we're talking about two different things. Uh, what's it say? It's so, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so this this is another one that compiles with... Um, compiles with... Uh, pushing, pulling. Pushing and pulling, because you're basically... You can build a warlock whose sole job is to control the physical location and movement of an enemy yep that's cool that is really because you can push them back with uh uh several things and then follow it up with locking them in place by reducing their movement speed by 10 or pull them towards or if you're near the barbarian you pull them towards the barbarian and the barbarian's next (laughs) and then start hitting them with lance of lethargy and then they can't get away from him yep oh that's mean or pull them into like a, a <laughs> like if you're on like an area that's crumbling and falling, and you just keep them their movement at zero until they just fall to their death. That's <laughs> uh, the next uh, feature invocation is maddening hex. The prereq is level five, the hex spell, or a warlock feature that curses. Kind of like the hex blade feature. Yep. <laughs> Imagine that. As a bonus action, you can cause physical disturbance around the target uh, cursed by your Hex spell or by your Warlock feature of yours, uh, such as Hexblade's Curse or Sign of Ill Omen. 
When you do, you deal physical damage to the cursed... Psychic. You deal psychic damage to the cursed target and to each creature of your choice that you can see within five feet. AoE damage. AoE damage is fun. Yeah. And AoE damage, that doesn't suck, too. The physical damage equals your charisma Psych- modifier. Psychic. Damn. The psychic damage that, that you can see with... Uh, damn it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the psychic damage equals your charisma modifier, minimum of one. Uh, to use this invocation, you must be able to see the cursed target, and it must be within 30 feet of you. So there's some limitations. Yeah, but, but it's still a powerful AoE. It's an AoE ability. I like the plating. It's a static number, too, so there's not like bullshit rolling where you get a low number. Yep. So, do I take that next one? Next up, we have re- Relentless Hex, which uh, has a perk of level 7, and the Hex Spell, or a Warlock cursing feature of some kind. Your curse creates a temporary bond between you and your target. As a bonus action, you can magically teleport up to three feet into an occupied space that you can see within five feet of the cursed target by your hex spell or by a warlock feature. To teleport this way, you must be able to see the cursed target. That's cool. You will not escape me. Does it have a distance limitation? 30 feet? 30 feet. So you can, once again, nice teleporting build. If you combine this with the grasp of Hodar and flying, so you fly up over top of them, you hit them with Eldritch Blast, and it, it pulls them up, and then they fall back down, and then when your turn starts back, you teleport to where they're at on the ground. Yep. That's awesome. I, I'll, I'm going to have to be honest, guys. I have never wanted to play a Warlock more than I do now, and I don't generally want to play Warlocks. He doesn't. Um, so this is really cool. I want to be able to fly and, and like pull people up and drop them to their death and stab them and that sounds cool yeah all right uh the next feature you get access the next invocation is the shroud of shadow uh prereq is level 15 and you can cast invisibility at will without expending a spell slot yes that's awesome oh oh you can see me boom now you can't (laughs) boom true sight yeah, uh, well, whatever. No more, no more need of rogues, man. You don't need a rogue. You got Mister Sh- uh, Shroud of Shadow guy. Totally, kind of negates the need of rogues sneaking in because you literally can stand in the room as a discussion's going on to collect intel. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and all you have to do is touch yourself a little bit. Uh, the next uh, one is Tomb of Levistus. Uh, prereq is fifth level. As a reaction, when you take damage, you can entomb yourself in ice. <gasps> that sounds familiar. Didn't a mage in WoW have that ability? <coughs> Which, um, so it it melts away at the end of your next turn. You gain ten temporary hit points uh, per warlock level. Wait, no, that can't, I couldn't have read that right. No, you read it right. No. There's a reason for it. Keep reading. Uh, which take as much... Uh, wait, hang on. You gain 10 temporary hit points per warlock level, which take as much of the triggering damage as possible. Immediately after you take the damage, you gain all oh, vulnerability to fire, your speed is reduced to zero, and you are incapacitated. This effect, uh, including uh, any remaining temporary hit points, uh, all end when the ice melts. Once you use this invocation, you can't use it again until you finish uh, a short or long rest. Like I said, it's there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's ice block. Yeah. Mages have that in WoW, right? Yep. At level 20, you can gain 200 temporary hit points. That's crazy. Yeah. But you you lose control until it wears off, but still, that's insane. And it's as a reaction. So you can do it in response to you about to die. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. 
That is the that is by far one of the coolest abilities. It is nice. That's like uh that's like the ultimate oh shit button. It's like oh shit, boom. Can't get me now, bitch. Two hundred hit points? That would wait, no. If you're level twenty. Jeez. How many at level five? Fifty? Yeah. That's a lot. Ten per warlock level. Damn. That's so cool. So the last and final uh invocation out of the Xanathar's Guide to Everything is the Trickster's Escape. You can cast freedom of movement once on yourself without expending a spell slot. You regain the ability to do so when you finish a long rest. Now, the Perik at level 7, 2, and type of all of that. And let's look oh, at I forgot that. Sorry, that's my bad. Let's look at freedom of movement, which lasts for an hour. You touch a willing creature, and for the duration, they are unaffected by difficult terrain and spells and magical effects that can neither reduce target speed or cause paralysis or be restrained. I'm sorry, you can't be paral- paral- uh, You can't be under paralysis. Yeah, that's insane and ridiculously, ridiculously over OP or ridiculously powerful. And the target can spend five feet of movement to escape from non-magical restraints such as manacles or or they're grappled. And if they're underwater, they t- take no penalties to movement or attacks. Huh? Do you think Houdini was a warlock? That would explain more. <laughs> that would, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, so that does it for our main topic today, um, the Warlock. I wa- I'm going to be honest. I-, I walked out of this wanting to play a Warlock. I think was it the their job then. Yeah, I would I would agree. That's that's so cool. Um, so sweet. Before we move on to our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Brandon's <laughs> like, oh my god, it sounds so freaking hot on this end. <laughs> Ian, who is our winner this week? Our winner is Josh Face Guy. <laughs> it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. You gotta take a stand and don't have to hide. Congratulations, Josh Face Guy. If you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to Lordsmith and let him know. If you don't, let him know why you don't so he can improve his products in the future. Alrighty then. So, Brandon was super excited about one of the UTTs. I don't remember which one it was. The uh, item. But, well, that's not first, so he's going to have to wait. But he just keeps spamming UTT. I think he's having... Uh... Under tips and tricks! Yeah, okay. Moving on to our fourth sec- fourth and final segment, our Under Tips and Tricks, where we bring new and reusable material for both players and DMs for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Oh, yeah. Our first one is our character concept, titled The Patron Within. This warlock's power basically comes from inside of them. Uh, a powerful creature has been sealed inside of the patron, right? Um, this maybe uh, a good example is uh, maybe this creature was assaulting a village, and um, the the villagers couldn't overcome the challenge. So instead of trying to kill the creature, they bound it and tied it to an infant that was just born. Um, 
so they ended up sealing it inside this child as and using the child basically as a vessel to contain this beast. Um, and if the creature ever did escape, maybe the warlock would lose his source of power, maybe, or he would have a permanent bond. I don't know. Um, but I really, what do you, what do you think about this idea? I'm gonna run a, a character with a cousin named Naruto. Oh, are you really now, huh? Of all the Jinchuriki, that's the one you pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exact. That's where I got the idea because really, he's a warlock. If you think about it, his a lot of his power doesn't come from himself. I'm not naming him Killer B. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I I really think that this is a great idea, and I think it can make for a great role play between the pe- the the player and the um and the DM. Yeah. Because there's no reason that they wouldn't constantly be communicating with the the patron on a more personal level than in most warlock warlock cases. It's not like we, we, we meet too many of the gin turkey anyway. <laughs> Most of them uh, kind of die. <laughs> I, think, I also think this may, may, makes for a great plot hook. Yep. Um, because um, if you've got basically a vessel that's containing an ancient and powerful beast. Or a demon. S- or a demon. Somebody's going to want that. Ooh. If you're have Cthulhu in prison inside you. Oh, that, that's probably a little more oomph than I would I would give them, but I see where you're going there. But I really like this concept. Obviously, I'm a huge anime fan, so it would only make sense that all my the ideas that I get come from that. But be, having the, the patron uh, stored within a player would just be so much fun. And I really think, uh, once again, it comes back that it can add a lot to the story elements because it's a much more personal personal level than just, oh, my power comes from some deity. Or... Or have it, some some beast, or having the a uh, similar vein in the Breath of Lotus Wars, the character Orson, he's a berserker. Yep, Orson's a berserker, and he gains his rage from it being possessed by a spirit. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of uh, stupid flaming skull guy, chains, Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah. I I drew a blank on his name for some reason. Very much like Ghost Rider, right? Same yep. thing. Ghost Rider's got this source of power inside of him that lends him that power to do what he's got to do. Right. So it's not just a Naruto thing, by the way. Yeah. Just saying. And a lot of people really underestimate how powerful Ghost Rider actually is as a character. Yeah, he is. Well, especially he, doesn't he have like the the penance stare, which can just immobilize pretty much anybody who's not good. Yeah, uh, it basically makes you relive the pain of all of your victims. Yeah, which is just that's insane. So anyway, and he's immune to physical damage. Yeah. So let's let's okay. Um, so um, that uh, do you have any other tips on uh, something like this? What you would you see how it working or nope. I think we touched on that. Uh, one would be really cool. Actually, I do got something. Uh, because you talked Naruto specifically, um, when you get some of those more powerful abilities that you can only do once or twice, come up with like a like a raw energy that takes on the form of your uh, patron around you uh, when you're fighting, which is pretty cool. That is our character concept, the patron within. Our monster variant is... The crude minstrel. Yeah, so when I made the minstrel the last time, I was going to try to add all these extra features. I just decided it needed to be two different monsters. So this origin is for the spy, and it has new features. It's got quick-witted, which allows you to the creature to use vicious mockery as a bonus action. Ha! Your mother! And then stab somebody. (laughs) Um, So if you don't know what bonus action does, it does a little bit of psychic damage. Um, but in addition to that, it imposes disadvantage on that creature's next attack. That's what Vicious Macri does, yes. Yeah, that's what I said. He's a bonus action. I'm really tired. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you don't know, Vicious Macri allows you to use, um, uh, to do a little bit of psychic damage in addition to imposing disadvantage on the target's next attack. So it's, it's got a lot of use. And for that to be a bonus attack is pretty cool. Or bonus action is pretty cool. Um, but what's really interesting is their next feature, which is the cutting words feature from the bard. 
right? So three times a day, the crude minstrel can use its wit to distract, confuse, and pretty much otherwise sap the confidence of in confidence and competence. Confidence and competence of others. Uh, when a creature that it can see within 60 feet of it makes an attack roll, an ability check, or even uh, or a damage roll, the crude minstrel can use its reaction to roll a d6 and subtract that roll from the creature's uh, roll. Uh, the creature is immune to it if it can't hear the minstrel, or, or the crude minstrel if it can't hear the minstrel, or is immune to being charmed. Um, so we t- talked briefly about it, you know, the inspirational minstrel that we had before, right? Mm-hmm. This one does the opposite. Instead of trying to boost his alleys, he's sapping all the power and effects from the players. Yeah, mother with a hamster, your father's stuff of elderberries. <laughs> <laughs> hey, laser lips, your mama was a snowblower. Reference, get it? Please tell me you get it. No. Short circuit? No. Oh, my God. Best robot movie before robots were cool. Uh, AI unit. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, you need to. Yeah, see, Brandon gets it. Jeez, dude. <laughs> um, so what do you what do you think about this monster variant? I think it definitely screwed the party pretty good. Yeah. And if you don't know, the, the spy has several different abilities um, that make it a little more uh, um, dangerous. I think it has like I think it has multi attack, maybe. I forget. Anyway, um, it's a very cool feature, and I think, once again, I think having maybe two of these together as, like, twins. Like, uh, in Final Fantasy IX, I'm playing a game with Thorn and Zorn. Right. I just imagine something like that, one that talks shit and one that sings to his team, you know? I think it would just be really cool. Um, that'll do it for our monster variant. Next, we have our encounter of the podcast. Tale and Ambush, inspired by Interparty Conflict. Players get word of a plot to assassinate a public figure. They are given a description of the person who is suspected for plotting it. And the players must tail the person for several days to gain new information. They must confirm that the person, that they are the individual behind the plotting. They identify those they make contact with and determine if they are involved. And learn how and when the assassin intends to take out the target. And then the players must set an ambush for the would-be assassin. All right, so I just listened to Interparty Conflict, uh, one of the more recent episodes as of this recording, and they talked a lot about setting up ambushes, yep. which they're right. You don't. That's not something that happens. I think we've had that as a player tip, but for the most part, I don't think that's something that a lot of players get an opportunity to do. I think we. I've been in a few groups that have done some ambushes here and there, but right. been few and far between. Yeah, it's not as common as you would you would think. Well, this entire encounter is based on encouraging them to do that. So, you know, because there's this plot going on and they don't know who's responsible, they have to sneak around and, and tail and listen and eavesdrop. All those types of disguise abilities really come in handy at this point. Ooh. Wouldn't that suck if they if they uh, target talking to Thieves Camp but no one knows Thieves Camp? <laughs> <laughs> talking in Thieves Camp but they know Thieves Camp? Yep. Yeah, that'd be a good opportunity for that. Um, The other thing I think is cool about this is, um, as the DM, if you set it so that they tail somebody who interacts with several others, and you only give subtle clues to which ones are actually involved in said uh, assassination plot and which ones aren't, it's very possible that a bad roll could lead to them ambushing the wrong person. Whoops. And so if you've got murder hobo players who outright just kill the person before actually confirming that it is in fact the assassin not only will they possibly kill an innocent 
but whoever they're supposed to stop from getting assassinated is still going to get assassinated. So it, this creates a little bit higher um, risk, and in, in, in it brings your story to life now because there's going to be results that are going to happen based on their success. Um, and this gives them an opportunity to ambush because you know once they're uh, this is going to give them that opportunity to set up an ambush for the person that they want, uh, either because maybe they're really powerful and they need to jump on them or something like that. Um, but uh, what do you think about this encounter? I think you can definitely get some pretty good intrigue out of this one. Is there anything you think that you would add to it to really spice it up? Thieves can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I agree. Thieves can't would really add to it. Um, I think it would be really interesting if the characters involved or the enemies involved weren't just like... They didn't look like they'd be villains. You know what I mean? Like they carry themselves. They speak really well. They talk really well. They're they're not outright what you consider looking the what you would expect to look for evil. Or maybe a few of the subsidies makers are simply them shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, they, they're stalking them for two days, and they just went grocery shopping and uh, went and met a few people and had some drinks. I don't think this is the guy, people. <laughs> Um, all right, so that does it for our encounter of the podcast, Tale and Ambush, uh, inspired by Interparty Conflict. Please head on over and check out the show if you haven't already. Um, okay, so uh, Brandon was super, super excited for this item, and I'm going to be honest, I don't blame him. I was too when I was making it. Sure. So the magic item is called Gambit's Hand, a small, dark gray shaded box that has thunderclouds and streaks of lightning engraved into it. Inside is a 52-card deck with identical markings on their back with a single bolt of lightning on their face. You, you can, as an action, draw a card and throw it up to 60 feet away. When it reaches the end of its trajectory, the card detonates and a burst of thunderous sound uh, erupts and can be heard from 100 feet away. Each creature within 5 feet of the card must succeed on a constitution uh, saving throw of 13 or take 1d6 thunder damage. You can hurl a number of cards up to your dexterity modifier as part of the action. So, the faster you are, the quicker you are, you can throw chains of these. Oh, yeah. Now, you'll notice that they don't do damage on a success. Nope. Um, so, there is a chance of complete and utter failure. But if you can get your decks to five and you start chucking five of these per round, you're looking at about 5d6 worth of damage. And I'm guessing this is not restock after you throw. Um, so I actually hadn't decided, and I wanted to know your thoughts on that. Um, because I, I originally thought, hey, the magical box will recharge with the cards once a week, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Um, but then I thought, it's really not enough damage that it would matter if it was infinite use or not. Yeah. What do you think? I'd say recharge. You'd say recharge? Yep. Just, should it be at a dawn or at a week? Dawn. Or a week. Either way. Just, Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, because then you got to track the car, number of cards you throw too. But I just, I think it. So what do, what do you think of this magic item? Well, if uh, be Gambit from X Men, here you go. That's exactly what I was going for. Yeah. Did it give it away? No. You don't think I hit it on the head? I think you hit it on the head. Okay. Um. So obviously this this is meant to be a really cool thing. I was actually trying to find a way to make this type of character, and I was like, fuck it, I'll just make a, <laughs> make a magic item for one of the adventure for one of the adventures I'm running. And I thought that this would be fun. It's allows somebody to, you know, make little cracks and throw the cards, and they go boom, boom, boom. And or maybe we could name it Deck of Thunder, or Thundering Deck. See, I I really had a lot of good names for with deck in it, but I didn't want it to be deck um, because you have the deck of many things, for instance, and the deck of illusion. And I just I didn't want it to be a 
But there are decks of cards that make sense. <laughs> I know, but whatever. I don't know. I went with Game of Tan. That's what I'm, I'm good with that. But you can change it however you want. But anyways, yep. Um, this is meant to be a really simple item. It's meant to be fun. It's actually not that powerful because it's not save or die or save or hit. Yep. Um, it doesn't guarantee damage if they if it hits. Um, so I don't know. Was there anything you would add to that or change? No, I think you have plenty of fun with this. Yeah, what kind of character would you? What kind of character do you see running this? Like a like a wizard, or or like maybe an arcane trickster is what I was thinking of. I was thinking a rogue of some kind. Yeah, arcane trickster is what I when I designed this, I had the arcane trickster in mind. Um, so that is our magic item of the podcast: the gambit's hand. Do 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 do. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, our dungeon master tip of the podcast is scratch off a name now. On the show, since Anther's Guide came out, I've made one critique about the book. Do you remember what it was? Names. There are dozens of pages of names. So I was thinking, is there a way you can utilize this? And there is. If you scan it and print it off, and you just keep it behind your, behind your screen at any time, when you need a name, you just cross it off and use it. Yep. And that way, your, your world is full of people who have unique and different names that fit the race. Um, and you don't got to sit and try to come up with that stuff on your own. I am the mighty Bob. Yeah, that doesn't work. In Morlock. Works better. In Troll, Bob means Slayer of Giants. Of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is pretty easy. Um, one, and once like I said, um, this really gives... Um, your world some variety in life and of course if you can make a brief description like a, a simple personality or a one word mannerism um, that would help bring those creatures to life um, and you know it's it, I know it sounds like a stupid thing but it really does make a difference because you may not notice it but if you don't write your world out in advance you end up coming to the same names repeatedly which makes your world not seem as grand and unique and creative especially if the names don't fit the races yeah. You know, Bob just doesn't fit a troll, but, you know, Barlock might, you know what I mean? Or Borlock or something along those lines. What kind of troll names are there? Arg. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> that is our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast. Scratch off a name. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Give your warlock pack terms and agreements. Right. No. So, one thing about being a warlock is you make an agreement in a pact with... A patron. You form a contract. Yeah. A legal document. Yeah. Okay. Some, of them, some of them might be loose and it's verbal. Others might be much more detailed like a contract. Um, but for the most part, um, you, you don't see Warlock say, hey, I got to do this because my patron tells me to. Yep. Their patron does have, does set terms and dictate some of their actions in some capacity. And you can get a lot out of that. <laughs> Brandon actually typed out, don't be a dick. That's funny. Excuse me, guys. I need to... to uh, to uh, entertain these school children. What? Why? Because my patron says so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in some, in all seriousness, you know, some of those, um, the patron should be dictating certain behaviors of the warlock. You know, some examples are maybe you must perform a strange ritual at certain intervals. You know, every every time the moon is full, you have to go out and dance in your underwear. You know, <laughs> like or do like a rain dance or something. You know, um, maybe uh, when you use your powers, you have to shout uh, a specific name aloud. And I swear to God, this wasn't in here before Joan talked about it. It was already in here before Joan talked about it. But the example I gave is, by the power of Grayskull. Yep. You know, 
and that that would be an example. He's got a he's his power comes from somewhere else. Holy crap! He man is a warlock. For all of you that didn't know, you're welcome for that. See a hexblade? Guess so. <laughs> he man's a hexblade. Um, uh, or maybe uh, another thing they would do is take specific actions against certain uh, creatures. They must help this person. They must kill this person. They, you know, something along. They must convert this person. You know, something like that. So, what do you, what do you think about that? Every time they they come across a pig, they just turn into begging. <laughs> and which and which which uh, patron would that be? I have no idea. <laughs> patron of the meat slayer. <laughs> um, so that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by give your poor like some pack terms and agreements. Yes. Man, I really want to role play one that just sits down with a, like a laundry. One day, just show up with a giant laundry list of things that a patron. Okay. You oh my be- gosh, your patron's gonna be Excalibur. <laughs> That's so bad. Uh, can you imagine just dropping an entire sheet, just roll down? Okay, so you want to be a po- you just hit level three and you want to be a warlock. Well, this is my agreements. Uh, the- I guess I'm not being Archfey. <laughs> No, I'm serious. That's just like something Excalibur from Soul Eater. <laughs> <laughs> Very obnoxious. Um, so that does it for our show today. Item 52. You must daily attend my six-hour reading session. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does for his long rests. <laughs> Sits through his patron, patron reading of books. Uh, before we close out today, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. I think I'm going to shorten that. The rest of them are about 30 seconds. That one's almost a minute. Still very good. Yeah. And um, who's our winner today? And this winner is, and I'm not bringing this up, Super Smexy Connor. <laughs> when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, you gotta take a stand and don't have to hide. All right, so that does it for our show today. Uh, please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing. The wizard. The wizard. Now, the wizard's only got one archetype, so we're going to have an actual length, lengthy uh, Let's Talk About Blank segment. I've got a big one. I want. I actually want to talk about it for a while, but it's just really long. So that'll be nice. If you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. Yeah. Right. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a, hopefully, five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Or you can just send us a message telling us how you enjoy, much you enjoyed the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. 
Make sure to subscribe to our show at CreditCamry.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. Um, you'll also find uh, links to our fellowship members there. Uh, our fellowship members are really great. You can head on over to CritNation.com and check them out. We have uh, Inner Party Conflict, who does an amazing job of answering your questions. You have D&D Character Lab, who create new and interesting characters every week and put them against each other and argue their validity in-game, uh, which is awesome. We have Oricon's Lair, which is a blog, you know, that he does uh, blog articles and reviews on pr- different products. And then, of course, we have uh, our sponsors. Um, hopefully, by the time this airs, the actual page is finished. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've got the link going to my page, so I'm just going to put all the stuff on there for now. Sure. Because I'm not buying another website, because I it's not a feature of Wix right now. So, yeah. um, The last thing I want to talk about is, if you don't already know, we are going to be at the ShootoCon this year, 2018, uh, doing a panel on Saturday, March 24th um, from should, 5 to 6.30. That should be fun. <laughs> oh, I'm really excited. I, I got the outline done. So Excellent. Oh, my God. I got... I, that I, yes, I, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it. So I've got. I've got some really cool stuff. We do have to do a one-off practice run to get you guys in the right mindset because it is going to be different. The more I think about it, the more different it's going to be for you guys. I Thorg. <laughs> I think the hardest part will be remembering to turn and talk to the audience. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's all the the big stuff uh, for right now. So head on over to CritNation.com and check out our fellowship members. Um, I am your host Justin. I'm your co-host Dan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. And this episode has been brought to you by Azel Wolf's Warlock Compendium of Packs. Be sure to read the fine print. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.